from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur podcast. I'm your host, John Small, the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. And today we have a very special guest. Mr. Colin Hanks is about to join us. And Colin is an actor. He is a documentary filmmaker. And he is an entrepreneur. He is also a part of Hollywood royalty as the eldest son of Tom Hanks. And you probably have seen Colin in movies such as Orange County and King Kong. He was also on TV shows like Dexter and Band of Brothers. Love that show. But more recently, Colin is the mastermind behind the launch of a handkerchief brand, which is brilliantly called Hanks Kerchiefs. Get it? Hanks Kerchiefs. It's perfect. It's like he was born to have this company. The company makes handkerchiefs in California, and they make a variety of designs and colors, all named after people who are very special in Colin's life. Perhaps fortuitously, he has had a bonanza in sales as people have been gobbling up handkerchiefs as a way to protect themselves from the COVID virus. Now, what does all of this have to do with cannabis? Well, let me tell you. The handkerchiefs company recently got into a partnership with Jushi, which is a multi-state cannabis operator. And Jushi will be selling Hank's kerchiefs online in their new merch store, as well as in stores in California and Illinois. So you can buy your weed and buy a handkerchief at the same time. I love that. Colin and I had a great conversation. We talked about why he decided to start this company. We talked about what he's learned being an entrepreneur and how that is very different than his uh, day job as an actor. And we talk about why he decided to partner with a cannabis company. So lots to unpack here. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mr. Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks, welcome to the podcast. Nice to see you, man. How are you? I am great. I'm so glad to talk to you. So I want to talk all about your company, Hanks Kerchiefs. And it's one of those names that's so perfect that I'm wondering if what came first, the idea for the company or like the name and then like, let's do a a company or was it kind of both? Like, tell me, because it's like kind of like it's like born. You're like born to have this company name. It's kind. Yeah, it kind of it's a little too perfect to pass up. Uh, The idea for the company actually came first. And as I was telling people about the idea, they said, what are you going to name it? And I just kind of blurted out Hank's kerchiefs. And everyone was like, oh, that's perfect. And ironically, the only people that were not keen on it at first were the guys that were like helping me launch the company. They really wanted to call it Hank's in your pocket. And I said, no, that's not it at all. That doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't. No, but they were afraid that Hank's kerchiefs was too hard to pronounce. And I said, if they're wondering if they're pronouncing it the right way, we're already one step ahead. We're already doing pretty good. If they're thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So technically the name came, uh, name came second, but it was, uh, it was so good that that ended up being like the final straw in which it was sort of like, okay, I, I, like I have to do this now. 
that like there's no way I, I I can't give this a shot. So why handkerchiefs of all the things that you could manufacture and put your name behind? Why why handkerchief handkerchiefs Hanks kerchiefs? Why kerchiefs? <laughs> kerchiefs. Why kerchiefs? Well, for me, I, I, I always want to try and do uh, find uh, new creative sort of outlets. You know, the 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 day job, as I like to say, is wearing makeup and pretending to be other people. But the truth of the matter is, is that everything that I, I do, there's springs from the particular pond of, of, of creativity and, and trying to to uh, uh, scratch particular sort of creative itches and. The truth of the matter is, is when you're an actor, there's very little you have to ask for permission from someone else to cast you in something to then maybe be lucky enough to then be creative. And so I, I've always been looking for other outlets. And that's how I got into uh, directing documentaries. And I had been really influenced a lot by Russ Solomon, who is the founder of Tower Records, because I did a documentary about Tower Records called All Things Must Pass. And so that sort of planted a sort of curiosity in business that was not only uh, incredibly helpful for me to finish that particular movie in a position that I had never held before being the sort of creator and director, but it also gave me a little bit of footing to sort of think about, all right, well, if I was to sort of branch out into something else, what would I want that to be? And I would want it to be something that was actually sort of a part of my actual interests. Like I wouldn't want to have to like have someone try and talk me into, you know, you should really invest in this soda or this, whatever, you know, there's any number of things that people have come to me with. And I've just been like, nah, that's not really my interest. That's your interest and good for you. But kerchiefs were one of these things that I've always had like in my life. My grandfather always used one. My dad always had one around. And as long as I can remember, I've just sort of always carried one with me. And especially as I got older, it definitely became, you know, my never leave home without it item. You know, it's my wallet, my keys and my kerchief. And that's interesting. I, I've never kerchief. Maybe it's because I grew up on the East Coast. I don't know what it is, but kerchiefs has never been a like a, a must have item for me. How did your grandfather, your father, how did they use it just to kind of like or why did they have one? It was a kind of a style thing or was it to mop their brow? Well, the grandfather always used it as a snot rag, which I always just found fascinating when I was a kid, as well as incredibly gross. And then my old man sort of would have them around. He'd wear them on his neck, like to avoid getting the old red neck and stuff like that, and would uh, you know, use it to cover up a shaved head every now and again, depending on what job he had. So they were always kind of these items that I just always had around. And then once I was a little bit older and was living on my own, and uh, primarily doing all of my shopping at uh, Army Navy surplus stores, because that's how fashion forward I, I was. They were always like the last thing there, you know, as you were sort of checking out. So you grab a couple of kerchiefs and, you, you know, you get a nice little uh, uh, collection there of a bunch of different colors. And I would have them and I found them to be incredibly useful tools. Now, that may sound strange, but I just found them to be incredibly helpful. If you want to open a door, but you don't want to touch it with your bare hand, you can use your kerchief. That's certainly become very handy right now. Well, that's kind of what I want. Obviously, you're, you're leading me to my next question here. But yeah, like the timing. You launched this company in 2018. So this is pre-COVID. But suddenly COVID rolls around and people are suddenly much more aware of touching things like you mentioned, certainly mask. And I want to be careful here because I don't know if kerchiefs are 
CD, CDC <laughs> approved as like a. They're not. They're not. No, they're right. Not. But a lot of people I'm walking around L.A. and New York. Even last week I was in New York and a lot of people are wearing kerchiefs instead of masks. Right. So it just seems like the the ti- the timing has been pretty good for this. I know that wasn't your original attention, but, you know, suddenly they're in style a bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really sort of highlighted something that we've been trying to drive home a lot since since we launched, you know. A kerchief or a bandana, as a lot of people tend to know them as, they're incredibly useful and can serve a multitude of purposes. They can simply just be a fashion accessory, something that you wrap around a purse or a bag or something you wrap around your head or your wrist or something you just stick in your pocket and it sort of accents, you know, whatever shirt you may have. So there's the fashion component, but there, I've always been a big proponent of the, just how handy they can be. Our catchphrase is actually sort of be ready. So, you know, if you always have one in your pocket and you're, you're ready for anything, you'll be surprised when you find a need for them. Even if it's just, you know, someone spills a drink and you don't have any thing to sop it up with. Just use a kerchief, you know what I mean? And so although the pandemic sort of seemed, seems like a little bit of fortuitous timing, I, I am a big believer in trying to be in the right place at the right time with the right attitude. And we sort of found ourselves in that position and made all the more interesting because, you know, at the time there was a shortage on masks and the CDC had said, you know, everyone needs to have some sort of face covering. And so many companies pivoted to producing masks to the point where the very same people that wanted to name it Hanks in your pocket were like, we should make masks. And I just went, hey, have you been paying attention? Like these can be made into masks. They can be worn as masks. And so that really sort of was one of those lightning in a bottle moments where all of a sudden we just found ourselves in the right place with the right time and the right attitude and was able to provide a little bit of comfort to uh, to those who were needing it. So, you know, I did a little instructional video on how to fold it into an adjustable mask that, you know, that can sort of fit everybody just using a kerchief and a hair tie. And then eventually we ended up doing a sort of collaboration with this company out of Silver Lake called Dean and made leather cinches so that you could actually just thread, you know, the kerchief through there and you could use, put the, the kerchief over your nose and mouth without having to like tie a knot and push your nose down and be uncomfortable. And so that was a good example of one of many, many, you know, uses in which these things are, are more than just a, just a, a way to sort of look cool or, you know, a way to blow your nose. Yeah. Have you seen sales increase significantly since? Oh, yeah. No. I mean, to the point where it was that <laughs> we did so well, it was almost a detriment to the company because we had sold out of inventory. And then all of a sudden there was a run on fabric because everyone had been making masks. And so we didn't have inventory for a few weeks there that ended up really kind of hurting us at the end of the year, but we were able to uh, rearrange some deck chairs and, and you know, stop this ship from sinking. Thank goodness. Now you have these unique designs and they all named after different people in your life or people you admire, your wife, your kids, your, you even mentioned Russ, uh, the founder of Tower Records has one. Was there a special one for COVID? Like the COVID, like, was there a special edition protection COVID? No, I don't really need to memorize COVID. I <laughs> no, think I hate, said, I hate that, COVID. said it enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think we've said it enough. Yeah. One of the things that I, I really tried to drive home again was this idea of, you know, we call it Hank's kerchiefs, but 
I kind of like the idea of like, it could be just a guy named Hank for all we know. And so that's why I sort of named every kerchief after a different person. So it's, you know, the Olivia kerchief, the Sam kerchief, the Earl, I named some after my dogs. And I just found that it's a fun way for me to be able to try and be creative with the designs and and see if there are certain kerchiefs that sort of speak to me or remind me of certain people. Again, I mean, that's just a little bit more of a fun thing than trying to like come up with like Autumn's Mist or some other stupid name. That sounds like a cannabis strain. (laughs) So good segue to cannabis. So because we're a green entrepreneur, I want to talk to you about the sort of connection with the cannabis industry here. So tell us a little bit about that because you are now have a, a partnership with Jushi which is a, a multi-state operator. They have digital stores. They also have like actual physical stores in California and Illinois, actually all over the place. But tell me about your relationship with them, how that came about. Yeah, so basically it was, again, sort of a little bit of the right place and, and the right time. A good friend of mine, an incredible photographer by the name of Andreas, Andreas Newman, we had been talking a little bit with a mutual friend of ours about you know the cannabis industry and, and ways that we could maybe try to get involved in it, you know, with a company and just coming up with trying to, trying to come up with a different approach to, you know, your standard sort of like what I like to just sort of label generally is like a weed store. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I kind of over any, if you put a Z on the end of trees, I'm not really into that vibe. Do you know what I mean? That's not really what I'm trying to get into. So I'm not really, although I was in the cannabis uh, at one time in my life, it's not really prevalent in my life now, but obviously, you know, I've been very aware of the realities of the fact that it, it should have been decriminalized a long time ago and, you know, all, all of that sort of conversation. And so we were talking about, you know, maybe doing something together and then COVID happened and the idea sort of went to the wayside, at least for me. And then coming out of the pandemic, I con- reconnected with with Dre. And he's like, well, I went and did it. <laughs> and he was, you know, he's like, I got this great company Yushi, and and we're doing these dispensaries, these Beyond Hello dispensaries, but we're looking for other items to sell within our our, our dispensaries, within our stores. And I said, oh, well, you know, t- tell me about, you know, the, the vibe you're sort of looking for. And they were looking for a sort of elevated approach to weed dispensary in which you're able to buy other sort of items that sort of lifestyle items that uh, you sort of create a an, an overall aesthetic that's not just part of the cannabis culture, but is really much more, you know, speaking to a much more, I don't want to say mainstream, but, but a little mainstream, you know what I mean? Not, not just, you know, uh, weed flags and stickers and stuff like that. So we're having some conversations and he said, you know, what do you think about maybe putting some of the kerchiefs in the store? And I had been wanting to sort of break into the brick and mortar space, no pun intended, because that was really one of the big takeaways that I loved about working on the Tower Records documentary is is creating an actual physical environment in which everyone is welcome and everyone can come and hang out for as long as they want and pick up, come into a store with one particular item in mind. And maybe if they're lucky, come out with a few other items and maybe a new friend or something like that. You know what I mean? And so within our conversations, it just sort of felt like the vibe was sort of very similar to the kind of brick and mortar operation that I, you know, would want to, you know, feature the kerchiefs in. And so 
that was how the, the the sort of relationship was born. Now, are they there yet? Are they in the stores? Yeah, they're in some of the stores now for sure. And are you hearing any feedback from about how they're selling, about how people are responding to them? I have not. Well, I have not. No, not yet. But I've also been sort of crazy, chaotic, busy with my day job of wearing makeup and pretending to be somebody else. So I, I've sort of been uh, burning the, the candle at uh, multiple ends, not just two. So. And there isn't, an, like you mentioned, you're very consciously not like doing a kerchief that has weed petals on them and, and you know, weed leaves and and like, or, or, or are you going to do a design that might be more sort of appealing to that type of consumer? We could maybe, you know, down the road, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to it, but for me, I just wanted to make sure that we were really sort of being very clear that that wasn't necessarily a prerequisite to what getting into the stores were, you know what I mean? And, and the, the, the people over at Yushi and, and beyond hello were sort of very adamant that it didn't have to be that, which I was actually sort of grateful for. But that said, we're always looking at themes and elements that would make for uh, an interesting piece. And so I'm sure down the road, something along those lines, you know, could very well happen. But, you know, we don't necessarily have anything like that planned for now. So you mentioned that, you know, one of the reasons you got into being an entrepreneur is to try take a little bit more, I guess, ownership of what you're working on. And I'm just curious how that's turned out for you. Like, is a lot of times people who decide to be an entrepreneur who weren't entrepreneurs previously, like, this is not at all what I wanted it to be. And this is really a pain in the ass. And I'd rather just have other people tell me what to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've had this experience. I've kind of done both, right? Like I've worked for the man, but I've also started my own business. What's been your experience as being an entrepreneur? Have you enjoyed it? I have enjoyed it. It's definitely been incredibly challenging, but I've really taken to heart a lot of the sort of lessons that I learned um, just hanging out with Russ Solomon and just asking him questions essentially for seven years straight. It's a great mentor, yeah. Yeah, and, and becoming in, in incredibly close to the guy. And really the main sort of takeaway that I, I learned from him was, was uh, to always remain curious and to not be afraid of a good idea, even if it scares you a little bit. And there is nothing scarier than putting your money where your mouth is and creating a company with your own money and knowing, hey, I don't know how to run a business, but I've got an idea and I'm going to reach out to enough people that know how to do these kinds of things. And let's see what we can do. Let, let's see if this will work. And really just sort of trusting the, the team that I had sort of put together knowing that I don't know everything about this industry, because I clearly don't. I mean, it is incredibly challenging to learn an entire new industry at 40 years old. I don't necessarily recommend it, but really knowing what we're not being afraid to admit, hey, I don't know how to do this. So let's try and figure out what to do and sometimes get out of the way. I mean, quite, quite clearly, sometimes it's, it's just best that I just sort of say, hey, guys, you guys come to a conclusion about this and then let me know and then we can go from there. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that, you know, become quote unquote entrepreneurs. I don't necessarily think of myself that way because I started actually a small business, a small company that only is on, you know, a website when we launched. Um, clearly now we're, we're growing and evolving, but it was really very small, you know, just a handful of people. Whereas some people get a huge capital investment and then they're launching this huge company and they have a line of all these different clothes. And, you know, we sell one piece of cloth. You don't even need to sew it to another piece of cloth in three different sizes. 
So I designed it to start off small so that I could learn the process, so I could learn how best to sort of grow and, and to see if the idea even really worked. You know, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I really sort of like was hedging my bets and sort of saying like, all right, well, let's see if people will understand the kind of story it is that we're trying to tell about, you know, kerchiefs and the uses for them and, and, you know, how personal they can be and how they can become an incredibly personal item that you can pass down from generation to generation and things like that. And luckily people sort of understood the thing that we were sort of talking about, which isn't just simply, Hey, buy this thing. It was really sort of like, Hey, look, there's, there's like a, a thing here about carrying your own kerchief and, you know, being ready for any kind of moment, having this kerchief ready, that is a little bit of a lost art. It's a little bit of a lost art form. And, you know, not a lot of people uh, do it. Not a lot of people even know about it, but this was something that was incredibly popular for years and years and years and years in many different cultures. And so I've been really enjoying the process of, of saying like, oh, well, I wonder if this will, you know, coming up with a concept and an idea and seeing if it'll work and then getting excited when it catches on and then knowing when to pump the brakes and not get out ahead of your skis. So there's been so much that I've really thoroughly enjoyed and a lot of things that I have not. Yeah. What, what have you, <laughs> tell me a little bit about what you haven't enjoyed spreadsheets. Oh, uh, that stuff. I fucking yeah. hate a spreadsheet. That's why you have a CFO, right? Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. I was very adamant about trying to assemble as, as, as good a team as I possibly could so that everyone sort of knows what their role is and everyone does it really well. And so everything is kind of able to run very, very smoothly. And so I sort of have been able to stick towards the more creative side to be able to come up with themes and ideas and suggest kerchiefs and say yes to ideas and 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 really just sort of be one of those guys that really tries to help sort of focus on what our message is and, and what it is that we want to do, because that's really the things that interest me. The things that don't really interest me, unfortunately, are the more brass tacks things of the business. And I've been getting a whole lot better at being able to become much more familiar with a lot of the terms, some of which that are just straight up business terms, but then also some that are very particular to, you know, the garment or fashion industry, whatever you want to call it. And so sort of understanding the difference of the simple reason, why can't we have a pattern on both sides of a piece of cloth? Like, why is that? And why does it have to be so damn expensive to make something in California? And, you know, so all of those kinds of headaches, as well as just trying to go, all right, it's the dog days of summer. We got to find a way to move some inventory here. We got to find a way to, to slang some kerchiefs. So finding ways to do that sort of stuff. You know, there, there, there are some headaches, but there's, there's also a lot of uh, uh, really fun stuff as well. You mentioned pumping the brakes. Has there been, tell me about when you knew, like, because there's something about scarcity and about doing it in a certain way that is appealing, I think, in the market. But a lot of times companies make this mistake of something is successful and all of a sudden they just want to like blanket the, the market with like, or I don't know, maybe blanket's the wrong word when you're talking about kerchiefs, but you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> well, striking while the iron is hot. Yes, so thank speak. you. You know what I mean? And hopefully using a kerchief so that you don't burn your hand holding, holding the poker. 
Yeah, I think quite honestly, when we first launched, we were really uh, surprised at how well the company did right out the gate. Everyone really sort of understood what it was that we were doing. And we were moving a lot of units very, very quickly. And, and we needed to re-up our order very, very quickly. And it became very evident just the realities of, of you know, the fashion industry that you know it, it can be incredibly difficult to make a profit because anything that you make back, you pretty much just Go right goes right back in your inventory. But what I, I, I very quickly realized was that it's very easy to sort of get what old astronauts would call go fever, not necessarily, you know, wanting to uh, spend all the time and energy to come up with the method, but just, you know, wanting to get from getting to point B as quickly as possible. And that's not good. You know, a, a lot of, you know, a lot of mess ups happen that way. A lot of mistakes happen that could be very detrimental, if not uh, deadly to your business. And so I was very adamant about having a process and trying to, trying to grow slowly. And, and if there was a demand and we're not able to meet the demand, that's okay. You know what I mean? We still make the effort. We make the acknowledgement that we're working hard. We're trying to get more, but there's nothing wrong with having people notice that a couple of your items are sold out because then maybe they'll realize, hey, next time we tell you there's a launch, hop on that stuff. Yeah, people want it more. Yeah, and, and that's how Be Ready sort of came to be. But to be quite honest, that to me is oddly, I don't think of that as like a business sense. That to me is the old sort of punk rock ethic of, look, we only have a hundred pressings of this single. And so once you have those, they're gone. And that creates a value, not only a value that someone puts on it, imprints on it, but then also if that band ends up becoming super successful, maybe a monetary value because then you've got one of a hundred or, you know, you've got number 53 of 200 or whatever it may be. And so we've sort of focused on making some of our kerchiefs, you know, limited editions and, and sort of not necessarily, we have some that will always be available on the site. Those are tried and true. Those are ones that are always going to be available, but there are some that we're just going to, you know, sort of see if we see if they, they, they hit. And if they don't, Okay, that's okay. We didn't we didn't invest too much in it. But if they do, okay, well, do we want to do maybe another round right away? Do we want to do another round maybe in a few months or a year? I mean, just right now we launched the new kerchief, the Aaron kerchief that it was incredibly popular and we discontinued it for a while. We heard so many people asking about it. They were like, "All right, well, let's let's bring it out of the old vault." That's your Mick rib of uh yeah yeah exactly right? well i think that's actually better than the disney vault yes the mcrib the mcrib is back yeah the mcrib is back all right anything else that we can expect from you as far as your your business like you have this successful business or you have you been toying with ideas for other businesses to start not necessarily other businesses per se but i've definitely been keeping an eye out in terms of what are some other components to lifestyle items that maybe would make sense for, for Hank's kerchiefs. You know what I mean? I mean, right now the company is obviously, you know, it's in the name, what we, what it is that we sell, but we also sell, you know, the leather cinches and beer koozies and t-shirts and stuff like that. But, you know, there is a possibility maybe for us to sort of segue into, you know, sort of other sort of lifestyle type items. If it makes sense, you know, I, I'm always, um, again, just trying to pull pages from the Russ Solomon playbook and be open to ideas. It's a good role model for you and for sure. Now, of course, I'm thinking out loud here, but you know, Hank's tanks, I'm sure you've thought of all of these things, right? 
Hanks, Tanks, Hanks, Hanks, Spanks. I mean, there's, 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 <laughs> you, there's other things in the Hanks name that can be. Well, yeah, or or just playing on it. I mean, there was a period there where we did kerchiefs that were specifically di- uh, designed for dogs, um, so that you didn't have to have two folds of clothing. It was just one. So hounds kerchiefs were born. Do you know what I mean? Let's do that. So we'll find ways to be able to incorporate that stuff into. I guess the brand, if you wanted to to call it that, but I'm also, you know, happy to just be doing what we're doing and and make sure that before we get too far, uh, sort of out of our lane, that we make sure that what we do in our lane, uh, we do it to the best best that we can. Well, it's a great product, and I'm I'm happy that you're in the dispensaries. I I mean, I'm all for sort of the mainstreaming of dispensaries and and weed, and I feel like you know having an item like that, it it goes, it doesn't, it feels like a natural fit, and it. I hope there's more sort of products that will feel comfortable being in, you know, sharing shelves with weed items as well and not. I agree. I agree. All right, Colin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Right About Now. That's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's rightaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later.